Welcome back to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until 1 o'clock. CFL talk coming up. World Cup conversation and more thoughts and your tweets on Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors. What would it take? What should it take? Could it happen in a trade? You can vote on the Twitter poll at TSN 1050 Radio. Let's welcome in the play-by-play voice of the Toronto Argonauts, Mike Hogan. Hoagie, how's it going, man? Doing well, Andrew. How about you? I am doing well, Ed. Listen, if you're an Argos fan, you had to last week take a bit of a sigh of relief seeing that combination of James Franklin and James Wilder Jr. The CFL panel called it the James Gang. What did you make of the debut of James Franklin, and what do you expect going into Saturday's rematch in Edmonton? Well, I think last week he came as advertised. Um, you know, obviously it was his first start in Toronto. He was here for training camp taking the second reps. Ricky Ray takes uh, the majority of reps even during training camp and then during the regular season when Ricky was QB1, uh, he was getting all of the reps. So for James Franklin to actually get behind center during practice for a full week, uh, kind of get acclimatized to what's going on. Uh, I thought I thought he was pretty damn good. Sixty-seven percent, you know, sixteen to twenty-four, two seventeen, one touchdown. The numbers really don't jump out at you, mm-hmm. but the fact that there was ball control, that the only in, uh, in, interception in that game came on miscommunication. It was a play that they hadn't run that week in practice, so he hadn't thrown that. So you know, Mark Tressman took full responsibility for that and so that wouldn't happen again so you can't put that one on the quarterback or the receiver um so you know there was for first week you know he got his feet wet he got to see the arm strength he stretched the field three times it was successful all three times and they got james wilder involved so perfect recipe for an argonaut offense well hoagie and james wilder being involved was the catalyst really right and we've seen across the cfl especially in the west last season if you can take quarterback compliment him with a beast running back. You take so much pressure off. We know this, right? At any any uh, level of football, you have that nice balance. And James Wilder, when he burst onto the scene in what was a, a coin toss, remember we were watching that game and it was, it was a coin toss of, okay, hey, let's give James Wilder a shot, and he just blew the doors off of everybody. That guy changed the offense. With Franklin and maybe Coach Tressman not wanting to put too much on him, do you see Wilder becoming more of a part of that offense than we did the first couple weeks? Well, he has to be. I mean, the first week in, in Saskatchewan, I think he had five carries for 16 yards yep. or something like that, That's which exactly didn't make it. any sense at all. And then they got him the rock. And, you know, they made a point of it in, in the script, the scripted plays. For, I don't know if Mark Tressman scripts 10 or 15 or however many uh, plays he has on the script at the beginning of the game. Uh, the first four plays were all to James Wilder Jr., uh, the first one was a screen pass to the right, and then it was run, run, run. Uh, and then they went back to him in that series. They ended up scoring a touchdown. Um, in the last two series, uh, one was a seven-minute drive, which by CFL standards with a 20-second clock is ridiculous. Um, you know, And then the last drive, with the, that drive culminated in the game-winning touchdown. The last drive took over two minutes off the clock. Again, that's, that's a, a pretty tough thing, thing to do in crunch time in the CFL with the rules in place, with the 22nd clock, um, he, rushed, he rushed for 72 yards in, that, in those last two series. So, I mean, it was the James Wilder show. And, you know, he's, he's six foot three, he's 230 pounds, and he brings it. And, you know, he likes being the hammer, not the nail. He's mm-hmm. a very aggressive running back. And if he's involved, it's, it's a very good thing for the Toronto Argonauts, A, because he's their 
best weapon on offense, and B, usually means they're winning. Right, right. Now, Hoagie, when we say he's the best weapon, clearly he's an athletic freak, but what do you make of the Argos' wide receiving core? Because if there's any uh, thing that goes against the, the front office building this team for this year, it has been that that might be a weakness. Um, they've, they've missed Devere Posey. I don't think there's any question about that. He was the, the guy that kind of took the top off the defense because of his speed. And, you know, he's with the Baltimore Ravens right now, whether or not he makes that club, because after he signed there, they kind of went nuts on free, free agency, and they added some receivers. So he's in a pretty tough competition down there. And even if he does get released, there's no guarantee he's coming back here. But S.J. Green is still S.J. Green. He's got ridiculously good hands. Um, Armani Edwards is... I wrote about a, a pro player profile on him this week for Argonauts.ca, and I kind of compared him to a stealth bomber, right? Mm. Like, he's, he always flies under the radar. You don't realize he's there. And then all of a sudden, he's out there making ridiculous catches, and usually in the fourth quarter. Um, I think eight of his ten catches this year have come in the, in the fourth quarter of football games. So, I mean, he, he seems to step it up. Um, You've got those release guys like Declan Cross. Uh, Levi Noel made his first start. He's a Toronto guy, um, played at Western Tech and then at University of Toronto. And this is his third year. He got his first start against um, Edmonton last week, had two catches, one for 31, one for 50. So, you know, there's an opportunity for him to step up. Malcolm Williams is uh, pretty sure-handed out at Z, so... That's a position of the, as the wide side, wide receiver that you don't get a lot of looks. They've got, they've got a, a decent... Uh, core of receivers, but you're probably right where they don't have that guy who's got you know four two speed that's mm-hmm. going to run and clear things out for everybody else underneath. In conversation with Mike Hogan, Toronto Argonauts play-by-play man on Twitter at Mike Hogan Argos. So Hoagie, we saw Bo Levi Mitchell go down yesterday, and quarterbacks are dropping like flies amongst the CFL teams. Ricky Ray, we saw Zach Caleros, and and it's it's crazy. Now, when you look, we know that quarterback depth, it is rare, and if you got it, it is something special. How do you rank the Argos quarterback and backup quarterback situation with James Franklin stepping in compared to the rest of the league? Well, Franklin's he's young, but he's not young, if that makes any sense. like he's, He's been in the league for four years, and he's been behind Mike Riley. Um, but he's he's got a few game reps. It's not like he's a, a kid out of you know, he's from Missouri, so I'll use that school. It's not like he's fresh out of Missouri uh, without any pro experience coming in. So he's you know from from a mental aspect, he knows the game fairly well. Um, he's got incredible physical tools. You know, standing on the sidelines and watching him at practice every day, his arm is just ridiculous. And you know, he's bigger than advertised. They list him at six two. Um, uh, I'm like six one and a half. If he's listed at six two, I've shrunk considerably. And I'm probably about five ten now. He's six four, six four and a half. Like he's a very big guy. He can run. He's got a gun, and he's got some you know some reps under his belt now. Uh, I think everybody around the league looked at James Franklin when he was backing up Riley and said, "This is going to be the next one, the next guy who's been a backup, who's going to be a very good, if not star, quarterback." in the CFL. And, you know, he didn't put up a 400-yard game last week, but they won, and he looked pretty good. And with his skill set, I can't see him getting anything but better. And now on the backup role to him is McLeod Bethel-Thompson, who had been around the the NFL for a bit. He's uh, from the same school Ricky Ray was in Sacramento State. And he's more like Ricky Ray in the the sense that he's more of a drop-back guy. Uh, He's got a much stronger arm than Ricky does. Um, and, And Mark Trestman and staff struggled as to who was going to be the quarterback uh, who got the start when Ricky got hurt 
Um, he wouldn't get into the details of why he went with Franklin over Bethel Thompson, uh, but Trustman and, and, and his staff decided to go in that direction. It was much like when Ricky Ray got hurt in 2013, where they had these two younger guys behind him, uh, both of whom have done all right, Trevor Harris and Zach Claus. Yes. And th- that was uh, such a tight decision as well. And, and Scott Milanovich at the time told me that he made the decision to go with uh, with Zach because he thought he could make some extra first downs with his feet um, or, or, or a big play at some point by being able to run with the football a little bit better than Trevor. And maybe that's why they went with Franklin over McLeod Bethel-Thompson in this instance. But Tressman, uh, when we asked him about that earlier uh, last week, I guess, uh, he wouldn't take the bait and, hmm. and, and, and explain exactly the, the, the precise detail as to why they decided to go with Franklin and not Bethel Thompson. Well, if Franklin can keep those long drives, and that's you said it earlier, Hoagie, that's what impressed me the most because it's not like, okay, chucked up a couple balls, looked uncomfortable. Extended drives with that compliment of James Wilder. If he keeps doing that, we know what the bottom line is. You keep winning, that McLeod Bethel Thompson talk goes away and Franklin can take over. This is his shot, and he'll get a chance to do it in front of his uh, old crowd there in Edmonton. Should be a good one Saturday. Uh, tonight. Oh, sorry. Tonight. Tonight, tonight of course. Tonight at yes. 9 o'clock. <laughs> Friday the 13th, tonight. Friday so, the 13th, absolutely. W- so when we, when we look at that real quick, Hoagie, how, how short do you think the leash is going to be on Franklin? Is it as simple as if he keeps doing and progressing, he's safe? Or, as you said, he, and Tressman mentioned it specifically, it was a coin flip. D- would he want to get a look at Bethel Thompson at some point? Um, I would doubt it. Um, James Franklin took the overwhelming majority of snaps again in practice this week. Mm. Um, They only practiced here two full days. They had a walkthrough on Monday, full day off on Sunday after the game on Saturday, and then they had a a fairly lengthy practice on Tuesday and another one on Wednesday. And it was was James Franklin in for 98% of the reps, 99% of the reps. So I would be astonished if he took him out unless there's an injury involved or, you know, uh, James Franklin gets kicked out of the game for fighting, right. <laughs> which is not going to happen if you've ever met James Franklin. He is, uh, All smiles. he is a seriously polite man. He will answer every question with yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. And uh, it's just, you know, one of those guys that just seems to have a smile on his face 24-7. So the kind of guy that you pull for and the kind of talent that you want to see excel because um, the, the the sky really is the limit for this guy's talent because he really has a, a pretty impressive skill set. It's going to be fun to watch. Hoagie, thank you so much. Okay, thanks, Andy. All right, Mike Hogan on Twitter, at Mike Hogan Argos, play-by-play voice of the Argonauts here on TSN 1050. So Argos, Eskies, rematch of the home-and-home home tonight, 9 o'clock kickoff. You can hear that on the station and watch it on TSN. Let's keep it the CFL theme, but we're going to go a bit big picture here. Now, you can watch or listen to CFL Weekly every Tuesday at 9 o'clock here on TSN 1050. And after the World Cup, it'll switch to 7 o'clock on 1050. I host that show and we take a league-wide look. And the weekly segment is Power Rankings Talk and CFL Fantasy. If you're playing on tsn.ca, DraftKings, whatever, the CFL Fantasy game, very popular. Scott Cullen from tsn.ca is he's the best. Like the way he's able to break down the numbers, dig deep, very helpful, very interesting. So, uh, this is from CFL Weekly this week, heading into week five, my conversation with Scott Cullen on power rankings and CFL fantasy. We're going to get to some CFL fantasy tips right now with TSN.ca's Scott Cullen. Scotty, how's it going? 
Awesome. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well. And so with the power rankings, we'll begin there. And for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, this is quite the rise getting Matt Nichols back. That's right. They, they jumped from five to two this week. And it, it's funny because when, um, you know, when we get, did the preseason rankings, I had, I had them at eight. Um, and, you know, in a nine-team league, it's a pretty tough ranking to, right. uh, to get saddled with. Um, but I, I, you know, I kind of, my explanation was, look, I don't know enough about Chris Trevler. He's coming out of South Dakota. He's never played uh, professional football. You know, I, I just can't assume that he's going to be okay. Um, and then, you know, he played all right for the um, you know first three games, and, and the, the Bombers started to kind of move up towards the middle of the pack. Uh, but now they get Matt Nichols back, and um, I think that's, you know, that's a big deal. Um, you know, we go on pretty much every week, or at least I do, uh, about the uh, the quarterback play, how important it is. And you know, Nichols uh, was a guy who a few years ago I, I wasn't sure uh, about and uh, whether I would necessarily trust him. But I, I, you know, I think we saw last year that you know he, he can be one of the the better quarterbacks in this league. And so Winnipeg getting him back. Um, at a time when other teams are losing, and um, that sort of vaulted uh, the Bombers up to number two in the rankings this week. You know, I mean, everybody's ch- chasing Calgary, and that may be the story for uh, for the entire season. Uh, but uh, I guess as, as we move into the next tier, uh, I've got Winnipeg now as uh, the the next best team. Sure, and to dip into the fantasy side for a moment, that Bombers defense absolutely tore up the BC line. 17 fantasy points. Now, Scotty, they seem to go every other week. At Edmonton, they had two points, 13 against Montreal, three against Hamilton, 17 versus BC. Now, they're playing BC again. Jonathan Jennings has been terrible. Are the Bombers a team you're going on the D side? They're the top-priced team, though, on the CFL fantasy game. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Um I mean, as you say, they kind of go back and forth, and and that's what makes me wary about spending, you know, I guess top top fantasy dollars on a defense isn't, isn't, you know, relatively huge money. I I know the Bombers are just under 5,200. But, uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit wary of um, just, you know, because from one week to the next you don't know what you're going to get. I I tend to go uh, for for cheaper options on, on uh, defense and like, like and, it, and it's not easy this week because there's so there are only three games and there's um, no Montreal. <laughs> right, well, there you go. Right, <laughs> the, your default your default option is already taken away. Um, and, and I'm like I I'm I'm contemplating Edmonton um, because they're you know they're one of the cheapest teams and. Um, in, in a rematch against Toronto, like it was a good win for Toronto last week, but you sent Toronto on the road to Edmonton. You know, may, maybe the uh, the Eskimos defense gives you uh, decent value um, in that case. But you know, in, in the g- bigger picture of what you're saying about the Bombers' defense, that's that stands. Like that's important. They're they 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 they're guys who um, you know create quarterback pressure and get sacks and and uh, and takeaways and, and and so that's you know there's going to be weeks where the, the bombers are, are particularly appealing on defense but I'm um, you know lately I've been kind of trying to spend my money in places other than defense and uh, and hope that I can find the right bargain defense from one week to the next so if we get back to the power rankings here, you can find that on tsn.ca, and Scotty will tweet it out at TSN Scott Cullen. Hamilton Ticats riding high. Jeremiah Masoli, another 300-yard-plus game, ties the CFL record, but they lose ultimately. It's all about winning and losing. They lost despite the numbers only 18-13, to 13, and they fall a couple spots. 
Well, yeah, and, and I think, that, I mean, we're still very early in the season, and, and there's reason to be optimistic about the Tiger Cats. I mean, look, the fact that Masoli can turn out a 300-yard game um, every week, you know, that's encouraging. You know, yeah. Moving the ball, you can get up and down the field. Like, a lot of good can come from that. But we've also seen a couple of games this year where the Tiger Cats have almost, you know, I don't want to say kind of given away the game, but the fact that, you know, they've, they've accrued so many yards and not enough points. You know, like this, this week it was 13 points in Saskatchewan, which is clearly not enough. And then even in uh, earlier in the season at Calgary when they, they, they outgained the Stampeders but only scored 14 points. And, you know, so at some point the, they're going to have to, um, you know, find a way to punch it into the end zone. But, you know, I, I move the Tiger Cats down because, yes, you score 13 points and lose. But, um, you know, that is going to affect you in the rankings. But I think in the you know grand scheme of it, you have to still be pretty optimistic when, when you know the quarterback can, can step out there and give you 300 yards week in and week out. That um, you would just hope that they can find a way to convert that yardage into into touchdowns because the, you know it, it's tough it's tough to win in any football if you're not uh, scoring touchdowns. But it certainly is in the CFL. This is a league where. Um, you know, kicking field goals and, and getting rouges isn't quite enough to <laughs> uh, to count on on a weekly basis. Exactly, and, and you got as you said, Sky. You got to punch it in. Now, what about the Toronto Argonauts? Twenty to seventeen winners against Edmonton going into that rematch. Franklin, nice effort. I've said it earlier in the show. I liked how he was able to march down the field, long drives. James Wilder coming up. How are you feeling about the Argos with Franklin? And I guess we're probably going to learn a lot more after the rematch in Edmonton, but as of right now, how do you feel about the Argos? A touch more optimistic. They're up to six in the rankings, and and it it goes, I mean, you kind of bang on with what I was uh, thinking, too, is that, you know, give Franklin another game against the Eskimos, and, and and see whether he can, you know, replicate it. And it's not that he had an amazing game, but he he did what he had to do to win. And I think maybe the the real positive for, for the Argos is you maybe turn James Wilder uh, Jr. a little bit loose. You know, when you when you don't have um, when you I guess un, when you're uncertain of uh, your quarterback play, maybe you're a little more inclined to make sure your star running back gets a lot of touches. And um, that's probably not a bad plan for uh, for the Argos for a while. And and if if Wilder you know continues to produce, that eases the load on James Franklin. You know that um, gives him a little. Um, a little bit less pressure. Um, the, the focus isn't always going to be on him, and um, and you know that might allow him to produce some decent results. So, like I said, I've, I've moved the Argos up to six, and um, you know, given that they're running a backup quarterback, that's not bad. Um, but we'll see what happens. Whether Franklin can kind of sustain um, what he did last week, I would say at least what you got out of last week was a, a positive first step. Okay, Scotty, let's get to the fantasy football. And if you want to check out the power rankings again, you can go to tsn.ca on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen. So if, uh, well, we know usually it's a safe bet to go with Mike Riley. Now, last week, if you're spending 14K on your salary on the CFL TSN game and you get 16.8 points through the air, that's a little rough. Where are we looking at quarterback this week? Again, with only three games, Trevor Harris had a great matchup, but now you're going against Calgary. We know what they can do. Bo Levi Mitchell's there. Uh, uh, Matt Nichols might be a good option, a little bit cheaper at 75-63. Where are you looking at quarterback? Yeah, I'm... And, and you know we mentioned about Harris last week as a as a possibility um, coming off a of bad mm-hmm. week, so so he certainly gave uh, lots of value. I'm I'm inclined to go with Nichols um, this week because of the price. Um, like you say, like Harris has that tough matchup with Calgary that I, I would just 
you know, I'd steer clear of if I could. Um, and so in the case of uh, Nichols, you know, he didn't have uh, a huge game by any stretch, but, um, you know, I'm not loving the Lions defense either. And, and I think that, um, you know, given what we saw from Nichols last year, you can be uh, a little bit optimistic that there, there's potential for him to put up some, some yards, some touchdowns. And, um, and again, this is a little bit of a uh, playing against the, the BC defense as much as it is playing uh, the Winnipeg offense. Would this be a good week to couple up, pair up a Nichols and let's say an Andrew Harris at running back 7,855? 7, 7, oh, I think so. I, and, I mean, Harris I like most weeks anyway. I mean, he's as consistent as they come um, among running backs. And certainly last week was a really good week for running backs uh, around the league. That, um, But Harris is, is one that I, like, I'm, I'm comfortable spending um, that significant uh, price for, for him because you know, more often than not, you get a, uh, a pretty solid reward for it. Um, you know, and, and if you invest uh, you know, in Nichols, who's not, not as expensive as some of the top QBs, it's a little bit easier that... Uh, um, to take the price on Harris, uh, who is among the, the higher price running backs. And then, um, you know, you can move to a, a, another running back, maybe who's not quite as expensive. I mean, one of the ones so far early in the season that we've been on is Don Jackson um, right. out, the, out there in Calgary. And, and now his price has, has, you know, shot up pretty quickly. He's up to $5,000, but, you know, it's still not a, not a bad play given uh, the production he, he's given Stan Peters in, in um, the first few games. So, you know, I, I but I, I think your your idea is totally right there. Grab if you're going to go Nichols, uh, backing that up with Andrew Harris is a pretty good way to uh, to cover yourself. And you know, provided they don't get completely shut down by BC, you're probably yeah. in pretty good shape. And and since they probably aren't going to get completely shut down by BC, that's uh, not a bad play. Well, Scotty, thank you so much, as always. And for our listeners' CFL fantasy tips, you're welcome. Another great <laughs> tips from Scott Cullen. Thanks, buddy. Anytime. Thanks, Andy. That was Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter. A must-follow at TSN Scott Cullen. You can check out his statistically speaking for CFL, hockey, uh, football, everything in between uh, at TSN Scott Cullen on Twitter. So there you go, folks, and you can catch CFL Weekly every Tuesday at, I believe, next week starting at 7 o'clock. But I tweet out the links at AndyMC81 on Twitter and Instagram at AndyMCSports. Argos go tonight in Edmonton. Winnipeg, BC wraps up a short week five tomorrow in the CFL. You can watch all that on TSN, of course. Step aside. Bottom of the hour, 1230. World Cup talk analysis of the final coming up Sunday here on the station. But also, I have the top, only the best for you here on, on, t- on uh, Toronto Today, folks. Only the best. DraftKings Soccer Fantasy Analyst. The top-ranked fantasy soccer player in the world. Host of the Fantasy Flush podcast, DraftKings Soccer Analyst, Jordan Cooper joins me next for some World Cup talk right here on Toronto Today. What a World Cup it's been. Welcome back to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Andy McNamara. You can follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81, at TSN 1050 Radio, on Instagram at AndyMC Sports. We'll get back into that Raptors Kawhi Leonard talk in a few minutes to wrap up the show. Your tweets have been phenomenal on possible trades for Kawhi to the Raptors. What are the scenarios? Could it, should it, would it happen? 
And if you missed Josh Lewinberg's response, you can go on TSN 1050 Radio on Twitter. We tweeted that link out, and at TSN1050.ca, he gave his take on, well, it might, might not be so easy to give up what we might want to. And our Twitter poll at TSN 1050 Radio, you can vote on that of who you would want to give up for Kawhi Leonard. Get to your tweets in a little bit, but let's talk some World Cup. Welcome in now. Very excited to talk to this guy, Jordan Cooper. He's the DraftKings soccer fantasy analyst, top-ranked fantasy soccer player, host of the Fantasy Flush podcast. Jordan, how's it going, man? Good. How's it going with you? It's going well. Well, this has been quite a a run in the World Cup. Uh, taking a, a big-picture look, stepping back from where you thought this thing would end up to where it has gotten to, what what are some of your your takeaways? This is all shaken out leading up to the final Croatia and France. Well, I think this has been a very surprising World Cup. Uh, typically, you don't see as many upsets. I mean, even before the World Cup was started, I thought the favorites were Germany and Spain. Sure. And obviously, those were the two biggest upsets that Germany didn't even get out of their group, and Spain lost to Russia, albeit they are the host nation, so host nations tend to perform well. Uh, for the most part, uh, a lot of people are treating Croatia as, you know, the Cinderella story. But, I mean, if you take a look at their midfield and even at their attacking players, uh, I mean, these are top players in La Liga and Spain and Syria and Italy. And although a lot of Americans may watch the Premier League in England and know a lot of the names on the England roster and, and other rosters in the World Cup, I mean, we're still talking about a top-class team that it's not ultimately surprising even if Croatia were to beat Spain had Spain actually beaten Russia. So I don't think it's all that surprising, but it's always nice to see uh, a new team in the World Cup final because both of the time we do get the Brazils, the Spains, the right. Germanys, the Argentinas, uh, you know, every four years. What type of chance do you really feel Croatia has? Because as, as you said, maybe not as unknown as the casual viewer would see, but France, even though they have maybe tightened up a little bit as far as going full throttle with their offense. Do you, do you feel France is definitely the clear-cut favorite in this one? I think they're the favorite, but it's clear-cut. I mean, we've seen the whole World Cup that the teams <laughs> are much closer. Yes. Yeah. I mean, obviously, teams like Saudi Arabia, uh, teams uh, yeah, Tunisia, I mean, with th- those types of teams, Panama, you know, don't have much of a shot against most sides in the world. But, I mean, the, the main breakdown is going to be midfield-wise. I think although Croatia with Rakitic, Modric, Brojevic uh, have extremely strong midfield, I mean, the best midfield in the entire tournament is Pogba and Conte. Uh, Conte could be considered possibly the player of the tournament uh, being from a defensive end. I think he's the best defensive midfielder in the world. Uh, so I think really the battle comes there. Uh, obviously, Croatia needs to stop the counterattack threat of Kylian Mbappe, uh, which can be done. But for the most part, I think France and Croatia, it's going to be a battle of the midfield. And whoever wins that, uh, Croatia does have a shot, more, more so than England, because England's midfield is fairly weak. So uh, depending on that, I think it's going to be a much closer match than a lot of people are figuring it to be. In conversation with Jordan Cooper on Twitter at BlenderHD, DraftKings soccer fantasy analyst, top-ranked fantasy soccer player, and host of the Fantasy Flush podcast. So let's get into the fantasy side of things here, Jordan, because as, as with all sports, if you don't have a rooting interest specifically but want to still watch the match and add that little bit of extra interest, fantasy sports 
is the way to go. Now, what type of, of contest do, do DraftKings have, and can you give us some fantasy advice heading into the final? Sure thing. For the final, there's a one-day showdown contest, which is just that game. You pick six players, any position, and they accumulate points, obviously within the salary cap. You can right. pick all the best players. Right. Uh, so with, within a 50K salary cap, I mean, that's kind of the skill of the game. And they can accumulate points not only on goals and assists, but also shots, shots on goal, crosses, chances created, tackles, interceptions, and even accurate passes. They're worth a twentieth hmm. of a point, but I've lo- I've lost showdown tournaments on three accurate passes coming in really? second, being behind point one five. So every kick of the game is exciting. If you even the center backs, the cheap center backs that pass the ball in the backfield, like you're you're always accumulating points no matter what. But really, you're primarily looking for crosses and shots and offensive type of statistics. That's why the top targets typically in DraftKings are the players that are responsible over dead balls, over set-piece situations. So when there's a foul, and uh, like typically for France, you're most likely going to see Antoine Griezmann over the ball. So those those plays typically are going to be a cross, a shot, a shot on goal, or they lead to a goal on a free kick or an assist. So you're looking for those types of players. They're going to be the most popular ones because they tend to accumulate points more. So guys like Griezmann for France and Modric for Croatia would be the top targets. And then the boomer bust options would be the center forward type. So like for Croatia would be Mario Mandzucic, who leads the line. And then for France, it's going to be Olivier Giroud, who has not had a shot on target the entire tournament. So it's quite possible that some people may be off of him. Hmm. So he does lead the line. I think Mbappe is going to be more popular pick. And one of the things in, in daily fantasy sports is finding the lower-owned guy that scores the most points because less people have him. So you know, my tip to people that are looking to go after the – big $20,000 first prize in the main tournament to go for a guy like Giroux over someone like Mbappe. Okay, and I was going to say, because it is a little trickier because there's just the two teams, so whereas if you have a larger pool, you might try to get those differential players. Is it is it wise to, uh, now you, you pointed out some of the, the value picks, but to really, in this case, go for the top names because they're going to be touching the ball so much and it is just a, a one-game playoff? Right, only because there's 22 players to choose from. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you could choose substitutes, but you can't accumulate points if they're not on the field, and yeah. they're not guaranteed to take the field. So, you're pro- you're obviously, the default is the guys that are going to touch the ball more are more likely to accumulate points as well as score a goal. But thinking in terms of how you build your lineup as a whole, if you think France is going to win 4 nothing, well, then take five French players. Right, and go ahead. You- capture all the goals if you think it's i mean basically kind of in your head think of how the game plays out score wise if you think it's going to be 2-1 well then who scores that croatia goal hmm. if france wins 2-1 to one. it could be an own goal it could be if you think it's going to be a one nothing shutout for france maybe you play the french goalkeeper so really think in your head of how you think the game is going to play out and then build your lineup accordingly so if you think it's an even game playing three from one side and three from the other Maybe more sound than playing five and one. Interesting. And as you said, there's a twenty thousand dollar grand prize in the main contest. All right. 
That's pretty good. Yeah. So we, and I'll, you'll be playing against me also. So just oh. understand that I'm giving you the <laughs> advice, and I, I'm going for it all. That's right. You can, Jordan's coming for you. And you can play in that contest. There are other uh, World Cup contests as well, all at DraftKings.com. Makes the game, I'm going to play too. It makes, the, it makes the game a little bit more exciting if you don't have specifically a rooting interest in it. So check those out at DraftKings.com. And maybe, if you're lucky, Jordan will give you some tips if you tweet him at BlenderHD as well. Uh, Jordan, thank you so much, man. appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. Jordan Cooper, as I said, at Blender HD on Twitter. World Cup DraftKings soccer fantasy analyst, top-ranked fantasy soccer player. So you just heard from the best fantasy soccer player on planet Earth. Hope you're taking notes. If you missed any of it, we'll tweet it out at TSN 1050 Radio, and you can find it on the website tsn1050.ca. And step aside our final break. Come back. Kawhi Leonard to the Raptors talk. I want to get to your tweets. You guys are throwing out all sorts of crazy trade scenarios to get Kawhi Leonard to Toronto. We'll have an update on our who, which Raptor you would give up as the centerpiece to a Kawhi Leonard deal to the Spurs. Toronto Today continues after this. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Instagram at AndyMCSports. World Cup final Sunday on TSN 1050, 11 a.m., Croatia and France. You can watch it on TSN, of course, as well. And if you missed yesterday's interview that I had with Eric Bischoff, creator of the NWO, former WCW boss, the general of the Monday Night Wars, if you're an old-school wrestling fan, I have it pinned on Twitter, at AndyMC81. you got to check it out. Easy e Eric Bischoff, a phenomenal chat in his podcast, 83 Weeks. Definitely go and give that a listen when you get a chance. Let's get back to the Raptors, though. This has been a hot topic coming up since Las Vegas. When Vegas speaks, you listen. Because you got all sorts of under... I won't say underworld, but under the radar type of guys who know things, things from people, friends, whatever. And more often than not, Vegas knows. And Vegas says that the Raptors and the Spurs are the most likely spots for Kawhi Leonard to play next season. Other people floating around, not the Lakers, the Raptors, even though Kawhi Leonard has said he wants to go there. Now, there are questions on Kawhi's health. There are questions if it's worth paying a lot for a guy who's on a one-year deal, who has said he wants to go to another team, and could leave. Uh, We'll get to a Twitter poll update in just a second, but you can vote on it at TSN 1050 Radio. And it's what key piece, what, what of the core... Would you give up to get Kawhi Leonard from the Raptors? DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, OG, or nobody you don't want him. Leading the way so far, Kyle Lowry. People want Kyle gone for Kawhi. The problem with that is, and I agree with you, I would like to see that as well, but uh, the Spurs had a chance to make a pitch for him in free agency. Lowry had said he had interest, and they didn't go for it at all. Spurs were not interested. Lowry's on the wrong side of 30. Pretty much a zero performer in the playoffs. Not a clutch guy at this point. Would love for him to prove us all wrong. But at this point, hasn't done it in the playoffs. And what do the Spurs look to do every year is compete in the postseason. That's the question. What would you give up? What could you give up? I spoke with Josh Lundberg earlier. He gave some examples of what it might take. And to him, it's leaned towards DeMar DeRozan as... The person that has to go back. And to me, you need... Like, Kawhi Leonard, as great as he is when he's healthy, he's not LeBron. 
LeBron can win you a championship on his own, pretty much. He can get you at least to the finals. Kawhi Leonard, as great a piece as he is, is not LeBron. There is no other LeBron. That's why the Warriors had to go get five freaking All-Stars. In the East, with Boston getting ready to make a run, Philly, Raptors need to get as close to a super team as possible. In my mind, that means DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard on the same team. What else could you give up? Draft picks? Well, they're going to be drafting low if they're a good team. So those aren't that valuable. Bench depth? Well, okay, but the ceiling, as Josh said, on those bench guys are very good bench players, not a star. When and what would the Spurs want? If it's the offseason, yeah, they should hold out. They have no obligation. But if it gets to, like, the winter, like December, you got a chance, and he's still there, and the Spurs know he's going to walk, that's when you might be able to get a value pick and add him on to the roster to make a run. Now, the downside of that is you lose time to recruit him, per se, to try to stay. You don't have as much time to do that. But if you think if you're the Raptors, and I do, and Masai Ujiri, I hope, does, and thinks, we get this piece in, we go on a run. Listen, there's no better medicine to turning your opinion around, to staying in a place, to getting good feelings than a long playoff drive. Winning solves a lot of problems. You hear the narrative all the time. Players don't like coming to Canada, to Toronto, outside the visit, the, the clubs before games. But they don't want to live here. Well, if you win, that kind of changes. People said that about the Blue Jays. Then they started winning. Won a couple World Series, all of a sudden, hey, Canada looks pretty good. Canada's okay because you win. That can solve a lot of problems. If Kawhi can be a piece to that, maybe it makes sense. Now, one of the big questions, as I said, is about his health. Rachel Nichols was talking about that with Kawhi Leonard and where he is at health-wise. I think no matter what they do, I think the Celtics, if everyone is healthy, are, are going to be the favorites in the East. That doesn't mean that they will win the East, by the way. That's not how this works. They have to actually play the games. But I think the Celtics will be the heavy favorites in the East. That being said, of course, Toronto makes a huge move like this. It's going to get a ton of attention. The question with Kawhi, and we don't know, and that's the other wild card in all these trades, what is going on with his health? Because right. you look at his injury... It's not an injury that would normally cause a bunch of red flags, right? It's not like, oh, I mean, look, he's still Kawhi Leonard. He just turned, by the way, he just turned 27. I think people think of him as older than he is because he has a sort of quiet, mature demeanor. He just, four or five days ago, turned 27. He is 27 years old, a two-time Defensive Player of the Year, a two-time MVP finalist, an Finals MVP. That is who you are trading for, potentially. But... He only played nine games last season. Nine. So you can't trade for him and then have him not play for you, especially if he's a, quote, one-year rental. So the question is, hey, the injury doesn't seem like it should have been that serious, and he should be fine for training camp, but he only played nine games last year, and even the Spurs couldn't really figure out what was going on there. Rachel Nichols, host of ESPN's The Jump. And that is the question. You're going to be giving up a lot if you go get Kawhi Leonard right now. What? comfort level are you at even if he clears out mentally is he going to be there is he going to mail it in my gosh what if he does that there's a big big question mark there with the health all things being equal of course you want him now you guys have been tweeting in about situations what what you'd give up to get Kawhi leonard from at r wong underscore photo zero zero eight says kyle jv 
or Pirtle this year's first, next year's second. And I believe you can't give, the Raptors have to wait to 2020 to give up the first round pick because you can't give firsts up in consecutive years. So you could extend it, but the question comes back again. If you're having a low first round pick, where's the value? In the NBA, the stars, traditionally, of course, come in picks like one, two, and three. You have outliers, of course, and you have players that can be contributors but not studs. So how valuable really is a pick in the 20s? How valuable is that? Now, the Kyle Angle, if anybody has to go, I would be up for that. But if the Spurs were not interested in Lowry in free agency, when all they had to do was pay him and not have Kawhi Leonard as part of a deal, how does that make sense for them with him being a year older? Have from at, at Adam Heskett on Twitter. T.O. will need to give up one of their two stars to get Kawhi and a couple prospects like OG and possible draft pick. I don't like that it's most likely just for one season. If they do this, I'd keep DeMar, OG, send Lowry, Pirtle, Siakam, turn over the point guard star to Van Vliet. Now, I read a couple of these two situations, and uh, Josh Lundberg stopped me when I got to Siakam, and he's like, the, the, the Spurs aren't taking the call. They'd be hanging They'd be hanging up the phone. That's true now. When it comes to the fall, if he hasn't gone anywhere, is that still the case? That's the question. Is he going to play? How well does he play with the Spurs? If he's showing a bad attitude, not playing well, not playing at all, where does his value go? Does that hurt it? Do the Spurs hold on? Are the Spurs just going to dig in their heels and say, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to... Eat it and not care. We're not going to give him the out to send a message that you can't complain and be out. We don't know. This is a this Spurs organization does things their way. It's a much quieter version of like the Patriot way in the NFL. This is the Popovich way. This is the Spurs way. Perennial excellence. Always looking to compete. Always looking to win. And if you have somebody who's trying to upset that and demand out, they don't want to open the floodgates to having that changed. Have from Nick on Twitter as a trade suggestion. JV OG right two first round picks. That I like that, but again, you're looking at two first round picks uh, now in 2020, and then a, a, even a future beyond that. What type of pick? What type of a bench depth? That's that's what's tricky here. I'm with all of you, and, and I'm surprised at the results in that 27 percent think Demar Derozan should be the centerpiece of that deal. Kyle Lowry leading the way at 43%. OG at 11. Nobody at 19 to not get him. If it's just for DeMar DeRozan, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing the deal. Would you do the deal if it was DeMar DeRozan primarily for Kawhi? I don't get that. One year, maybe he stays, maybe he goes. And you give up DeMar? That's not... He's a better player overall when healthy. But he still doesn't get you the championship. He still doesn't... Or or not even the championship. Get you to the finals. You need both. We know this in the NBA. You need more than one star. Two's not even enough. Maybe three. You need Kawhi and Damar. Otherwise, I'm not doing the deal. That's my opinion. I'll be back with you Monday at 1 o'clock here on TSN 1050. Don't forget World Cup action on the station. Third match, uh, third place match game on Saturday. And the final, Croatia-France, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Argos football tonight against the Eskimos. That's a 9 o'clock kickoff. So, 
For producer Herbie Sachs, Chris DeVero, I'm Andy McNamara. The Scott MacArthur Show is up next. You've been listening to Toronto Today on TSN 1050.